The other day we go out. Uh, <laughs> do you know what story I'm going to tell? Yeah. Uh, we go out, have a really fun night out. I thought at least. We go dancing. We stay out really late. We get back. All right. Uh, and I fall asleep like a baby. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up at six in the morning and Jess has hit me, slapped me right in the face and angrily turns over in bed. I say, what was that for? Is everything okay? I I thought I'd been snoring or something. Well, you do snore. I don't think I do. Well, how would you even know if you do? Anyway, she's still turned away from me. She's like almost crying. And she says, you were a serious dick in my dream just now. (laughs) And I say, what? Well, you seriously were a dick. Apparently, in this dream, I'd been flirting with another girl or something. It felt so unfair. I thought we had a great night, and then I'm sabotaged by this other guy in her dream pretending to be me. It was sort of just the last straw for me. Just another reminder of a way I couldn't participate in this thing. Right, because you can't dream. Right, because I can't dream. So my name is Brayden Roberson, and I have never had a dream in my entire life. Uh, It sort of makes sense to me. I don't dream every night. I only dream sometimes. So I guess for him, it's like the nights where I don't dream, Um, but that's just every single night of his life. Yeah, but I just don't understand. It, It seems so crazy of a thing. And it's funny because you once told me... Ugh, there's nothing more boring than listening to people talk about their dreams. There is nothing more boring than listening to people talk about their dreams. It just goes on and on, and ultimately it's not real, so who cares? But the things that happen in people's dreams are so crazy. Someone's telling me about their dream, and they're like, Yeah, I'm walking down the street, I'm being chased by dinosaurs, and... It's really scary, but then suddenly the president comes down, and he's got a jetpack, but, like, suddenly I could fly anyway, so I fly away with the president. And everyone listening is like, yawn, and I'm like, what? (laughs) You did what? With the president? Yeah. I always ask a million questions. What was the president like? What was it like to fly? What did the dinosaurs look like? And they try to humor me and try to answer my questions, but by the end of it, they just get annoyed and bored. It's not real. You know, it's just a dream, so it doesn't mean anything. It's boring. But you just said that it practically was real. It was real enough for you to be pissed off at me all day. So which is it? Is dreaming just some TV show in your head, or is it a real place? Um, I think it's... It's less that I'm teleported to a place and I'm in my body in that place. It's more like um, like I'm watching someone else do things in this world and I'm in the back of their head watching through their eyes. You know, um, you don't really have control over your own actions or anything. It's just like things happen. So it's sort of like both, really. So when someone says the president was there, you know, that's all. He was just there and you're there. But he's not choosing what to do and neither are you. It's just playing out in front of you. It just sounds like the coolest thing. (laughs) I'm just so jealous of anyone who could dream, and I wish I could go to that place every night of my life. And I don't know if people realize how much they take it for granted. Today on the program, we talk about dreams and one man's attempt to understand them. Brayden Roberson lives with a curious condition. 
He has never once experienced something that to the rest of us is common and routine, which is to have a dream. Imagine feeling excluded from a club the entire world is a part of and knows all about, but you never will. Brayden's one dream in life is to just simply have a dream. Today, we follow that dream and a group of researchers that try to make it a reality. This is our new city, the reports on the ever-changing, always-goings-on of New York City and beyond. I'm Max Cook. I'm obsessed with exploring the unknown, and there's only one thing we know less about than dreams, and it's the ocean. And I'm a terrible swimmer. The man you're hearing is Cooper Willis. Cooper Willis is the leading researcher at the Advanced Sleep Labs at Columbia University. The Advanced Sleep Labs is at the forefront of all sleep research and in the past 10 years has made huge advances in the research of why we sleep and why we dream. Uh, this facility is something really special and frankly, I'm, I'm really proud of it. You see, not only do we know to this day very little about dreams, it's actually a sort of taboo subject for study. Um, for centuries and even now, not only does the scientific community not know much about dreams, most actively try not to know. Because, you know, studying sleep and dreams ultimately becomes about the study of our subconscious. And there's this idea by many psychologists and scientists that studying our subconscious is a dangerous thing. One way it was put to me was by someone arguing the point that, you know, something along the lines of consciousness is like a CEO who shouldn't try to micromanage all the lower levels of activities of their company because it would... It would be disruptive and distract them from his proper focus on the big picture. So, you know, not only is dream research really hard to perform scientifically, it's generally frowned upon by a lot of people and, you know, they've, they've tried to get our funding taken away. So I'm not popular in the scientific clubhouse, you know, let me put it that way. But, uh, you know, the research goes on and we have really started to discover some awesome stuff. Today is a special day at the Advanced Sleep Labs, and there's a reason we're here. Today, our friend, Braden Roberson, has a meeting with Cooper Willis. I'm very excited for today's consultation. I've been waiting for this a very long time. You see, Braden is tired of not knowing what a dream is, and has been researching the science of dreams on his own. I Google it like once a day. Uh, I have every source bookmarked. I have news alerts. Uh, I probably know more about dreams than most Americans, and I haven't even had one. I'm pretty much obsessed at this point. Obsessed to the point that he actually knows enough of Willis's work to attempt contacting him on a number of occasions. And finally, he got through to explain his situation. Willis scheduled a meeting immediately. I'm extremely excited to meet Brayden. Brayden's situation is so particular and so rare. I mean, this meeting really couldn't have come at a better time. Time for what? We've just broken ground on an aspect of dream research that um, just might be able to help Mr. Robeson find what he's looking for. So the long-awaited meeting finally took place, and we were able to have our mics recording for the show. Take a listen. So, um, I've looked over your situation, and it is pretty rare. Um, we have people we look into and they dream, they dream very rarely, or sometimes they have really uninteresting dreams, but I've never come across a person who's never experienced a dream this late into their life. So, I'm here to answer any questions you might have or, you know, find out what you want to get out of this interaction. 
Yeah, that's that's mostly it. You know, what I want out of this is just I haven't ever dreamed and I feel deformed, frankly. I feel like I don't have one of my senses, like I'm living blind or deaf or something. And if I can't dream, I guess just knowing what a dream is, uh, is the closest I could get to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's one thing I can put your mind at ease about. You want to know what a dream is, and so do I. Um, nobody really knows exactly what a dream is. The only difference between you and everybody else is we live with it. And for us, it's very normal. But in terms of understanding, you probably know about as much as anybody does. Um, however, we've been able to understand a lot more in recent years, and I'll try to explain what our current ideas are. Okay. So, to understand exactly what happens when we dream and why we dream, we first have to understand why we sleep. So, why exactly do we sleep? Well, we discovered a while back that the big reason we sleep is that when we're awake and living our life, going about our day, um, the use of our brain creates natural toxins, just like a machine. So the longer we exert our brains, the longer we stay awake, the bigger this buildup gets. And this buildup of toxins in our brain creates a feeling, you know, we know as feeling tired. You felt tired, obviously. Um, of course. Well, feeling tired is basically our brain's poisoning itself. So we go to sleep, and what happens is when we sleep is our brain goes into essentially a low power mode. And while we're in this low power mode, the toxins get cleared out by a separate level of our brain in our subconscious. Imagine everyone goes home from work for the day and the nighttime cleaning crew comes in. And the next day the office is clean again, ready for work. The toxins in our brains get flushed out and when we wake up, we're able to function again without the toxins affecting our perspective. So we wake up, the toxic feeling is gone. So sleep is kind of like um, uh, a car wash for our brains. That's why if you stay up for like two days straight, you start to feel almost drunk. You ever hear of people feeling drunk on no sleep? Well, I mean, that's pretty much because they are. I mean, do you drink? Uh, yeah. Have you ever gotten blackout drunk before? Um, yeah, uh, once or twice. It's a weird feeling, right? Okay, you see, what we've learned is that dreaming is not something we do occasionally, but actually every single time we sleep. Even you. Even you dream. And I, I, I know you think you don't, but really you just don't remember like when you're blackout drunk. You see, the frequency of how often we're dreaming is not actually how often we dream, it's how often we remember dreaming and how well we remember dreaming, which is why some people dream more often and some people's dreams feel more real. It all hinges on our ability to remember them. And there's this part of our brain subconscious essentially in charge of memory. So just like the way you can block that part of your brain with too much alcohol, you know, getting blackout drunk, you can also block it in the state of sleep. And from what I understand, that's what makes you a special case, um, is that that part of your brain that remembers its dreams is turned off permanently. It's, it's in a natural state of being asleep. So you never remember your dreams, and in your mind, you've never dreamt. So you're saying I actually dream all the time. I'm just blackout drunk in my dream? Yeah. Sort of. However, you know, if you could access that part of your brain and turn it on, you could remember that dream. And this is something we have very recently been able to do. Um, we could, if you wanted to be part of the study, give you a chemical while you slept that would turn on that part of your brain 
that lets you remember your dreams. And essentially for you, you would be experiencing a dream for the first time. Brayden agreed pretty instantly. There's something kind of extraordinary about all of this. If a CEO is our consciousness, and every night the CEO goes home, and our subconsciousness is a whole night crew who comes in and makes the company run again for the morning, who's running the company, the CEO, or the night crew? I talked to Cooper Willis about the actual procedure after the meeting, and he guaranteed the experiment would be completely safe, that they use the technique on patients all the time, and it's become a very useful way of triggering dream research. You see, one of the reasons dream research is so difficult is that there's no way to know when a person will experience a dream. And being under the strain of testing usually doesn't present the best scenarios for triggering dream memories. This technique was developed as a way of inducing normal dream behavior. It just lets you have a dream, just like you normally would. But I couldn't help but feel like there was something unnatural about it. So you just met with Cooper Willis. He just revealed to you that you will now have the opportunity to have thing you've always wanted, your very first dream. How do you feel right now? I am absolutely ecstatic. I had no idea this was going to be an option when I came in. I thought he was just going to help me understand more. I had no idea I would be able to have a dream for the first time. Do you have any concerns about this? I mean, are, are you nervous at all? I mean, if I'm nervous, I don't care. It's just, this is something that's been so important to me for so long. You don't understand what it's like, just not knowing or experiencing a part of being human and being alive. It's not even about experiencing a thing. It's, it's not like wanting to go skydiving. This is about being alive and having everything that comes with being alive. I can't think of a situation in which I wouldn't feel like this would be worth it. It's everything to me. You know, my mother died when I was young. I felt pretty incomplete most of my life. And this is just another thing, another way I feel incomplete. To, to be able to take this back, that would be a victory for me. And with that, a few weeks later, Brayden showed up at the advanced sleep labs, ready for his first dream. He brought his most comfortable pajamas and a blanket from when he was a kid. He laughed when I asked him about it and said he doesn't sleep with it normally, he just brought it for good luck. After filling out about a novel of paperwork and waivers, the facility tried to make him as comfortable as possible, but ultimately they had to monitor his brain activity, and to do that, they had to spend about an hour connecting little electrodes, tiny wires connected to stickers, all along his head and arms and chest. He looked pretty funny, honestly, like some sort of robotic Olympic swimmer. So, all right, Braden, you, uh, you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> uh, not exactly. Honestly, why wouldn't a sleep lab have, like, a super comfortable bed? <laughs> More than anything, I'm just so excited. I, I feel like a kid trying to get to sleep on Christmas Eve. So you're ready for this? I am so ready for this. It's just, I just can't, it's just crazy to me that I'm gonna fall asleep. When I do, I'm finally gonna be able to experience this world. I feel like I'm being transported. I'm gonna close my eyes and be transported. Where to, I don't know, but I can't wait to get there. I joined Cooper Willis and his team in a control room with several monitors showing Brayden's vitals and brain activity. It was a small room and through the glass we could see Brayden. However, once the lights went off, the only way to see him was a monitor of a night vision camera of the room. So as you can see here, this is a scan of Brayden's brain. It's a real-time MRI of sorts and we can see a, a sort of crude understanding of his brain activity. 
You see here, you see how this uh, section is lit up with a green blotch, and uh, it's gone. This shows us how his brain is working as he falls asleep. And we can tell while viewing these models sort of what part of his brain is doing what. And, uh, and this will help us understand his progress. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. All right. Uh, we are going to introduce a very, very light sedative to help you get to sleep. And uh, it's, it's not going to affect your sleep. It's just going to help you fall asleep. Uh, then once you, uh, you fall asleep, we will administer the chemicals that will keep your memory active. And if uh, luck is on our side, once you hit your REM cycle, you will have full consciousness of your dream. Night-night now. Hope it's a good one. Alright. What if it isn't? I'm sorry? Cooper, let me ask you something. I mean, what's the point of all this? You know, what's the importance of giving someone the ability to dream? I mean... What could this testing this technique do for science? It has everything to do with the good of science, possibly the greatest good for science. This is far less about testing this technique and giving people the ability to dream, like some cheap novelty to experience while you sleep. This isn't a ticket to dreamland, the amusement park. This is about the bigger question. Look, you ask any psychologist or scientist what they know about dreams. You know what most of them are gonna say? we don't know much about dreams and then dismiss it like they're too good to care isn't that crazy there's this huge mystery to explore and yet nobody is exploring it isn't there something off about that it's scientific negligence what are they afraid of this technique is about taking the first steps and taking control of a science we know so little about if we could if we could access the part of the brain that can remember dreams maybe it'll lead us to the part that creates dreams and maybe there's more to understand about what that part of the brain is in charge of and why think about this when you sleep our subconscious puts us to sleep so it can filter out toxins out of our brains imagine if we could figure out a way to remove these toxins from our brains manually with a pill or a liquid without without the need to fall asleep we could eliminate the need for sleep altogether we could live twice as long is that something you're close to figuring out? Not even a little bit. The point is, though, it holds a lot of implications, exciting implications. Do you play video games? Yeah, sure. So while our subconscious is squeegeeing out brains of toxins, where does our consciousness go? Into a dream world. Well, what is a dream world exactly? I mean, it's, it's sort of like reality, but, but like broken, right? So it's sort of like reality is the latest game system, but then when you go to sleep, it's like some old game with a lot of glitches in it. Nothing works right, you can, you can try to run, but you can't. You, you try to see, but it's not clear. It's almost like um, a really basic version of our reality where the programming can only, can only do a limited number of functions. It almost feels like our consciousness is like a child, and, and at some point, um, we have to, you know, the parents have to get some work done. So they, they put us in front of this TV while they, while they clean the kitchen. But let's consider this. How much of our dreams are we really remembering? How much reality are we blocking out? Brayden here, he can access 0% of his dreams and maybe you can access, I don't know, 2%. But maybe there's a whole lifetimes we aren't remembering. Maybe we can access our dreams fuller than we know, we just can't remember. Like a patient with amnesia with, with only traces coming through. Are you seriously suggesting that there's an official theory from you 
that our reality and our dreams are just programs in our head, or that existence is just some form of perception our subconscious presents to us, or, or that our subconscious has some master plan we don't know about? Again, absolutely not. There is no evidence at this point that any of these things are true. I, I mean, I just made them up. But did you see how excited you got for a second? It's an interesting implication, isn't it? So, so why wouldn't we explore it? Why wouldn't we delve into understanding the key to everything we have created? Our minds are, are way smarter than we are. Our subconscious knows more about us, who we are, why we're here, than any conscious mind out there. The subconscious is, is pulling the strings. It pretty much controls and drives every aspect of our lives. And, and isn't, isn't that what science is all about? knowing who we are and why we're here. Well, if, if our subconscious knows more of these answers than we do, isn't it time to start interrogating our subconscious? I, I, I truly believe that whatever reason we exist, lift a trail, a map in our mind that reveals where we came from and where we're going. Our minds and bodies are like ships traveling towards an unknown destination. And we're just on these ships, seeing where we end up. With a little engineering, I think we can figure it out before we get there. Now, I hope you brought a book because we have some waiting to do. And we did. We waited for two hours. Finally, Willis pointed to one of the screens. Look, did you see that? Look at the activity in his cortex and amygdala. I think our friend is having his first dream. He's probably been dreaming for a little while now. These readings are absolutely amazing. Let me ask you one more thing. Why Braden? I mean, why, why are you so excited to be using him for this research? This isn't, this isn't just about his wish to dream. No, of course not. There's, there's always a mutual benefit. You see, Braden is a very rare case, and he can prove to be extremely useful in our research. So with most people we test here, yeah, that's all we're doing. It's just observing something they've done a thousand times. Their consciousness is used to it. It's conditioned. Whatever implication for the necessity of their dreams is well established. However, with Braden here, his consciousness has never experienced this, and his developed brain isn't expecting it. So the readings we can gain from, from, from this experience will be much more potent than, than with anything else that you know anyone might give us. And it might give us some insight not only into how we dream, but the much bigger and elusive question of why we dream. It's like catching his subconscious with its pants down. His heart rate is elevated. It's okay, it's, it's just a dream. He's going into a panic. Okay, no, that's... Let's get in there. Let's go. Let's go to the Okay, 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 okay. Okay. This is fine. This is fine. I can't. Okay. Brayden, Brayden. Brayden, Brayden. Relax, relax. Who is You're it? okay. You're okay. It's me. It's I Dr. Can't. Willis. It's no. me. Sedate him? No, no. Do not sedate him. I, I can't no, do this. No.
took Braden about an hour to calm down enough to understand where he even was. I've never seen anyone more emotionally upset. I asked Willis to explain what had happened. Willis said that the strain of experiencing a dream as an adult was too much. That as children, our brains can accept the experience of a dream because the whole world is new to us. But as an adult, dreaming is just too foreign and strange. And it scared him. He essentially had a bad dream. The worst dream you could ever imagine. I asked Brayden what that dream was. He wouldn't tell me. I met up with Brayden a few weeks later. He did not look good. He seemed extremely agitated and shaken still. That calm and confidence, that desire to experience more in life, was completely drained. He looks scared. I, ha- I haven't slept much. I-, I never sleep much now. Something happened when those chemicals uh, opened up that part of my memory. It's like now it, it won't close. I dream every night. And every night it's a nightmare. I sleep for a few minutes at a time, and I wake up in a panic, and then I calm down. I just do it all over again. Again and again, every night. Sleeping for a few minutes, and waking up terrified. How has this affected your life? I mean, it's completely affected my life. I'm always on edge, and I haven't really rested in weeks. I'm practically afraid to leave my house. You know, it's just like... There's something really scary about not having a place to escape. So I just try to stay awake and stay active. But it's really hard. Because I'm so tired, it feels like there's no relief. My, my girlfriend, Jess, is trying really hard to be supportive. But I, I could tell she's losing steam. I don't blame her. Do you regret doing this? If you could go back and undo this and never dream for your entire life, would you? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. But that's the thing about knowing something you would never know. Before knowing this, you wouldn't have been able to talk that version of me out of knowing. You could have never stopped me. So, on some level, it, it doesn't really matter. I met with Cooper Willis one more time. It felt like something needed to be said, like some injustice had been done. And I'm not sure I met with him looking to right some wrong or just put some closure on the series of events. I think more than anything, I just wanted to know that something was being done. So I met with Brayden, um, and he, he is not doing well, it seems. He, um, he is going through a lot to process and understand a new addition to his life. And uh, we, we're working hard with him to help him through that. And the constant nightmares, the inability to sleep. I mean, you, you had no idea that this would have such a large-scale effect on him when you administered this technique initially? When dealing with the mind, we, we never know exactly how it affects our patients. It's the same as any subject who comes in here. But Braden was different, and you, you knew that. I mean, did you intentionally put him at risk for the sole purpose of furthering your research? No. I mean, if, if I knew that such a reaction would affect a subject 
in such a capacity, I, I would never allow it to happen, no matter how great the scientific advance. You know, I mean, I have nightmares too. And yet you continue researching, Braden, as if you have like no inkling of regret. Uh, and you know, further, your studies continue. So, so how, do you have, how do you hold yourself accountable for all of this? We hold ourselves accountable by doing exactly that, by continuing our studies. Do you feel differently now I mean, about the dangers of interrogating the subconscious? I mean, do you think maybe all of the other psychologists and scientists might have been right? I mean, maybe the subconscious truly is something bigger than us, and maybe to explore it is self-destructive. No, I, I don't think that. And, but, but you are right about one thing. We are explorers. Not just us here at the Advanced Sleep Labs, but, but all of us, human beings. You, you probably want to shut us down, and you probably think we aren't safe. Um, that we shouldn't you know, go where we're trying to go, exploring the unconscious mind. You wouldn't be the first. But that's who we are, and that's why we continue, because we are explorers. And why do we explore? Because we are human. Why did we cross the ocean, not knowing if there's anything on the other side? Why do we attempt to cross the galaxy? These are places we know as humans we should not go. But we go there because we're human. And we have to, because we're explorers. And even if it's scary. Even if God himself told us not to go, there is absolutely nothing that will stop any of us from trying to get there. Cooper Willis has continued to do research on Braden. He claims in an attempt to help him. He thinks that with time, Braden will be able to control his dreams like the rest of us. But after seeing Braden afterwards, I wasn't sure he ever would. And then a few weeks ago, I got a call from Braden. He told me that he had had his first good dream. And he told me about it. He said he dreamed he was in the mall with his mother. And a group came. And the group of faces surrounded him and his mother. And the gates of the mall started closing down around them. And his mother hugged him and told him everything would be okay. I asked him one more question. I asked him one more time to tell me what his first dream was, the one that scared him so much. And he told me. He told me that he's dreamed the same dream every night. It was just the first time. It didn't scare him. This is our new city. I'm Max Cook. about this episode and other episodes like it, visit ournewcitypodcast.com.